welcome to the Empower Church podcast. My name is Matt Garner, and I'm the pastor at Empower Church here in Melbourne, Australia. We're so glad you've joined us today, and I am believing that today's message is not only going to inspire you and encourage you, but it's going to empower, equip, and challenge you to be everything that God has called you to be. Hey, if you want more information about what we're up to at Empower Church, just jump on our website, empowerchurch.co, and all the details are there. We really hope that you enjoy the message. So good. So you really want to make time for these because they are actually wonderful experiences and so it's really good. The last thing I want to do, I'm not actually preaching this morning so that's why I'm having my mic time. (laughs) About to prophesy over everyone and then... um, But I I did want to take the opportunity really quickly just to... um, We won't take a long time doing this, but just introduce our eldership. And so I'm just going to invite the eldership and their spouses to stand if you wouldn't mind doing so quickly, 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 just so people know. Oh, they're reserved for eldership. Not really. We don't do that. Um, But we just wanted to let you know, um, so this is Matt and Vanessa, and um, who serve in lots of areas in our church. This is Bev, her husband Peter's up the back. It's nice to have them. This is Simon and Pat. Tomsey and Cookie. And uh, we also have a board, we'll do that another time, but um, I wanted you to to know that we have, we just believe in governance and accountability and transparency and relationship. Um, Thanks guys. And so yeah, if you ever wanna reach out and have a conversation, you can do that. Um, with any of those, um, that'd be good. But today, it's great, great privilege for us today. Um, we've got one of our elders actually speaking. Tomsey spoke a couple of weeks ago. And um, I want to give her a, a good introduction because she deserves one. Um, and Bev, Bev and Peter both have been, um, I suppose, on, on the journey with Alicia and I and the team right since the very start, before we even gathered um, Bev was in our home praying on a Thursday, was it a Thursday? I can't remember. Anyway, sometime. Um, we were praying weekly, long before the church even started gathering officially, we were praying. And Bev and Peter have been a great support over the years to Alicia and I. And uh, Bev just carries such a, an amazing grace. Like she did a session on prayer um, and kind of the space of silence and all the rest of it at the retreat. And it just carried such a weight. And the reason why it did was not because it was articulate, although it was, not because it was thought well through, although it was, but because she practices what she was preaching. And uh, Bev, it's just wonderful blessing you are to our church community, and we want to honour you today. And we're excited to receive the word. So come on, let's welcome Bev. She comes. Does this work? Yeah. Hello. (laughs) Good morning, everyone. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this month on the teaching of prayer. Have you? Because, like, I have, but I know I'm completely biased because this is just my thing. And it, to me, it's been building momentum as as we've gone through. And so I want to complete this month of prayer um, with a teaching today. to hopefully take you to another level in prayer. And that's that's what my aim is. And so let's have a look at this. I'd like um, to have a look at Psalm 91 today. And it's going to go up. Whoa, look at all that. I can't even see it from here. So <laughs> lucky I have my Bible with me. Okay, Psalm 91 says, He that dwells, in the secret place of the Most High, will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom will I trust. Surely He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the destructive pestilence. 
He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His truth will be your shield and buckler. You will not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand will fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. Only with your eyes will you behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, the most high, your habitation, there will be no evil before you. Neither will any plague come near your dwelling. For he will give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. They will bear you up in the palms of their hands, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and adder, the young lion and the serpent you will travel, trample under feet. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I am with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honour him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. This was a psalm that was spoken out and declared in believers' homes around the world over the last few years. I think we've all latched onto it because of its mentioning of pestilence and plagues. And we had a laminated copy um, on our sideboard. And when we gathered together for meals, we would read this and declare it over our family. And I also made a little tray, which was our communion tray. And it had biscuits, it had grapes for the young ones in our family, and it had wine for those of age. And we would come and we would declare this, this psalm over us and we would take communion together. And that became a routine in our home. And like many around the world that were looking for something to grab onto in hope, they latched on to this psalm. It's full of hope and promise. But with many things in the word of God, with all the promises that are made, with all the hope that there is, there's always a qualifier. I'm, I'm one for, you know, I, I hear sometimes, oh, the truth will set you free. Is that right? Well, Jesus said that if you are truly my disciples and you abide in my word, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You see how there's a qualifier before it? Okay, so what I want to do today is look at the qualifier in this. And so if we go back to the very first verse of this psalm, it says, he... Gender neutral, so it will read, gender neutral pronoun, it will read, he, they, those. Those who dwell in the secret place of the Most High. Secret place. This term has been used for centuries by people that have gone in. It's been the inner chamber. Andrew Murray, one a prolific writer on prayer, has used that term. Tozer, some I could reel off lots and lots of names of people that have found this secret place and they have written about it. Um, and the words that they have written, the books that they have written have been profound. They've been so deep and they have taught people over the decades, hundreds of years, about the depths of prayer because they have found this secret place. 
Oswald Chambers said, when we truly live in the secret place, it becomes impossible for us to doubt God. We become more sure of him than of anyone or anything else. And he says, enter into the secret place and you will find that God was right in the middle of your everyday circumstances all the time. Psalm 27.5 says this, For in the time of trouble he will hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. And this is the confidence on the part of David that he is perfectly sheltered from all trouble in this place that God has provided for him. So, what is this place? The secret place is not a physical location. It is not a cathedral. It is not a church. And it is not the room that you go into to have your daily prayer. Matthew 6, when Jesus is talking about prayer, it says, go into the room and shut the door and pray in secret. So it's not an obvious place or destination. This is a concealed place in the spirit that requires a seeking out or a searching of the heart in order to find it. Even when you've entered, there's no indication that you've fully arrived there or that you see or experience everything that you possibly can. It's a place where depths and layers are revealed to you as you choose to dwell and make it your home. So this secret place comes from a Hebrew word, um, C-E-T-H-E-R, and it's pro pronounced sether. And it literally means a tent, a covering, a hiding place, a shelter, or a pavilion. So you get the sense that it's something that kind of comes over you and completely surrounds you and keeps you in that place of security, if you like, and just surrounds every part of you. Uh, I love having a look when it comes to prayer on the tabernacle of Moses. And I wonder if we can just put an illustration of the tabernacle of Moses up. Because if it gives us a picture of the journey into prayer and it can help us understand this sether, this tent or this secret place. Now, I don't know if you, can you read that okay? We have a gate over on this east side. It was always set up from east to west. And I like this illustration here because it, it actually, prayer is such, can be such an abstract thing. We can't see kind of where we're heading when we pray at times. And so it's a learning experience. And I like to look at this as our journey of prayer as we enter in. We have a gate only one, and we enter into what's called this outer court. And it's a place where we have an altar for sacrifices because God demands an, a, a sacrifice for our sin. And it's something that Jesus satisfied when he laid down his life as a sacrifice for us. And so we see this brazen altar where the sacrifices were taking place. And then we see a laver, which is a place of cleansing. There's water there. People, are, uh, the, the priests that are coming in are actually washing themselves. And so it gives us a picture, if you like, of our salvation experience. There's a conviction of the Holy Spirit that takes place in our heart and we realise that separation from God that we've had and we need someone who 
or, or something that is a, a pure sacrifice for us so that we can move to another place with God. And so Jesus Christ has done that for us and he's provided a cleansing of our sins. And if you like, this outer court represents what happens to us when we became saved. But we're not to stay there. We move on and we move deeper. And you can't see it, but this next part, we can see the holy place. This was actually a tented structure. And that's why I wanted to bring this today, because it gives us an illustration of how as we enter in on the journey of prayer, we actually come into a place where in the spirit we are sheltered completely. And it's just like in the physical, in the time of Moses and the Israelites, that this was a tented structure. And so from the outer court experience, they would actually walk into this holy place and it was completely covered. And in that holy place, there were just very simply three things. The first was the table of showbread and it's where the, the loaves representing the 12 tribes of Israel were put now, bread, a, a daily substance or sustenance for us, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Here, we have a representation of Jesus himself in this holy place. Then we have the golden candlestick, and there was pure olive oil that needed to go into this candlestick or the menorah, and it would burn and it provided the light in that space. Oil is a representation of the Holy Spirit. And so what we have in here is we have a representation of Jesus Christ and we have a representation of the Holy Spirit. And in this holy place, in this place of prayer, look who is here in our tented structure. We have both. Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ. And so we move to this altar of incense, which is actually the altar where the priests would come and they would pray and they would stand in that place. And the incense was put in, very special recipe for the incense. It's, a, it's great to read. I, I'm not going to pull this completely open. It, it's far too detailed. But they would stand at this altar and they would offer up the prayers on behalf of the Israelites. And in Revelation it says that the prayers of the saints is like incense rising and it fills the golden bowls in heaven. So we've got a place where they came and they prayed. A representation of Jesus Christ on one side, a representation of the Holy Spirit on the other. And they came and they prayed at that altar of incense and the prayers rose. But on the other side of that altar, completely sealed off and covered, is the Ark of the Covenant, which is the presence of God himself. And only once a year could the high priest enter into that place. But we know when Jesus Christ died on the cross, the curtain that separated those two places was torn from top to bottom. And because Jesus when he was sacrificed for our sins, he took his own blood and he put it on the altar, which means that we are now able to walk into this holy of holies, into the presence of God. It's a great picture for us to see what we actually do when we come to pray. And so 
it's good to it's good to see visually what is taking place here because now with the new covenant we are able to go into those places that only the priests could go but now you have been made priests because of what Jesus has done and so we can go into and move into the depths of prayer in this place, in this safer environment that the Lord has made for us. It's not a place that we can go half-heartedly. This is a place of total commitment to finding the one who has called us. It's a place of reverence and humility where we are to come low before the majesty of the Father. And we can't enter with our own agendas. It's simply entry with a genuine desire to seek the Father and his heart. And this is the place where the fullness of God exists. And this diagram shows the progression of prayer as we move in levels towards the Father in all his glory. I, um, I in the last year, have moved um, home and I'm not in, uh, not in suburbia anymore and uh, I'm learning to deal with country life and this week... Uh, we had a power outage on a day that was four degrees in the morning, which meant that we had no heating, no water, no flushing toilets and all the rest of it. So I had two, two young children, a five and a six-year-old in my care for the day. And the best thing that I thought we could do is actually go to the hot springs and just relax. And it's all very nice. I rang them and, and uh, just made sure that it was okay to bring children and they said, yes, that's no problem, come on down. So we jump in the car and on the way, I'm having a talk to the five and the six-year-old about the etiquette of what this place is like. We love to go to the pool, but the pool is for splashing, it's for yelling, it's for dive bombing, it's for really yelling and making noise and having a lot of fun. But the hot springs is something different. It's a sanctuary. It's a place that people go and relax. And they go, and several of them were floating in that environment. It's a place of peace. And so we, we had a talk about this in the car before we get there, and the precious little ones were so good. And they just accepted that this wasn't going to be the same experience. It was a beautiful experience, and they took in every bit. But the environment was a whole lot different. Same medium as the swimming pool. We're dealing with water. We're dealing with large volumes of water that we can move into. But it was a totally different experience. And they sensed that. And they, they entered into that which I was very grateful for. We had a wonderful morning and it warmed us up. But I want to draw your attention to the fact that at different stages in our, prayer dif in our prayer journey, we have different environments that we are actually in. One does not feel like the other. <clears throat> if we go back to the first verse of this psalm, and it says... He, and as I said before, those, they, that dwell in the secret place of the Most High. It does not say all. Every one of us, all Israel, all believers, but those who choose to dwell, make their home, find and stay in this secret place. It's not a given that all believers will end up in this place or all Israel will find themselves here. 
And unfortunately, I would like to say to you that my first 16 years of being a Christian, my prayer life was stuck in the outer court. And that's sad, very sad. And I want to bring that up this morning as something that you may identify where your prayer life is. Because my prayers at that time were nothing more than soulish needs for myself. I need this. I want to do this. I want to go there. Um, help me with this. Oh, I'm desperate. What am I going to do here? And I used God in that kind of a sense. Now, I wasn't in an environment in this church where there's deep teaching on all aspects of the Godhead and, and what prayer could actually be. So I, I was in that place that my prayer life was nothing more than just soulish. I may have entered my head into that Satha maybe once or twice, but really, my prayers were nothing more than just off the top of my head, whatever I felt I needed at that time. Proverbs 25.2 says, It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings is to search out a matter. This is something that requires a searching. Have um, James, a verse from James and a verse from Jeremiah. And James says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Jeremiah says, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you, and you will seek me, and you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart. So there is a searching that's required on our behalf to move into the deeper levels of prayer. So why would we choose to go there? Why would we choose to go deeper? Because as this psalm tells us, this is a place of peace, it's a place of shelter, it is a refuge from the storms of life. And notice in Psalm 91 it says, they shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Shadow is shade, shade from the heat or the pressure that exists around you. It's relief from the pressures of life, from your workplace, circumstances that are difficult to deal with, frustrations, opposition. A shadow infers that you're not bearing the full brunt of exposure to something. You're taken out of the intensity of the situation. This is relief. You know, is this something that we're after at times, just relief from the things that are coming against us? I enjoy it yeah. at times. It's a place of sanctification and maturity as a believer. As we sit in the presence of the Lord and his truth is revealed to us in this place, our beliefs and our thoughts are purified in line with the kingdom. Where our souls fall short of God's holiness, we become aware of our own failings and cry out to him for correction. If we have a look, and sorry, I'm bouncing around a little bit. If we, if we go back to this diagram of the tabernacle of Moses, and I said before that the gate is on the east side and the Ark of the Covenant is on the west it actually says in Psalms um, 103 that he, God, will remove our sins as far as the east is from the west. So as we journey, I'll go this way because this is how it is, as we journey into 
prayer, and we come closer and closer to the Father, we ourselves are being sanctified. Why? Because the presence of God is actually cleansing us from all our transgressions. It's a place of finding your significance and your value, but not in a proud sense. You know without a doubt that you have been called by the Father and he has a destiny for you. It's a place where your identity is developed under the presence of the Holy Spirit and Jesus who is doing a work in you. It's also a place of healing and restoration where you develop your identity as a son and as a daughter of the Most High God. It's a place to commune with the heart of the Father as he reveals himself to those who love him. We have to come close to him so that he reveals himself to us and there's a joining of hearts in this place. And from there, we can listen to the things that are on God's heart and actually carry these things out. He's going to speak deep and intimate things to you, or he's going to speak things that actually help us to carry the burdens of those around us in a church setting. A couple of years ago, I was... <clears throat> have my prayer time. We were all home <laughs> at that time. No one was really going anywhere except for special people who had jobs who could get themselves out. But I was in that place and the Lord revealed his heart to me and he said, Ehab, you know Ehab, who's here? Is he here? Yeah. I spoke to him. Yes, he is here. Ehab is my beloved. Okay. Ehab is my beloved, I get that. We all love him. He's fantastic. Ehab is my beloved. And all morning, he's the beloved of mine. Ehab is my beloved. And so he's releasing his heart for Ehab. He just wants someone to agree with him. And so all morning, Ehab is my beloved. What a term for God to use about you. I, I couldn't think of a better term to be, you know, it, it must be, bring joy to you hearing it again. But Ehab is my beloved. And it got to a few hours later and I thought, I need to really sit down and just hear what it is that God is saying about Ehab. And so I look, I go to the word, I go to the Logos word, and I'm looking for that thing, that rhema word for that day that, that the Lord is speaking to Ahab. And so I went there and this one jumped out at me and it came from Deuteronomy 13, 33, 12. Let the beloved of the Lord rest secure in him for he shields him all day long and the one the Lord loves rests between his shoulders I thought that was really nice. That's a nice thing to, to say about someone. We got together that night because we were doing a prayer e-connect. That's back when everything was on Zoom and we're just together, you know, looking at prayer and, and talking about it. And I said to Ehab that night, he was part of it, you know, the Lord was just saying to me today, Ehab, you are my beloved. And I felt this verse and I read it to him. And Ahab's jaw dropped because Ahab was driving that day and a light pole fell on his car and wrote off the car, I think, or severely damaged. But not one hair on Ahab's head was touched. He was held completely in that safe and secure place between the shoulders of Jesus. Now, the Lord wants to use everybody. 
He wants to reveal his heart to everybody who is a believer. Why? Because we are called to hear the heart of the Father and to walk out his will for the day. He needs people to agree with him in those things and to carry them, carry the burdens of his heart in prayer. He just wants someone who's going to say, yep, I agree with that and I am going to release that into the atmosphere around me so that the heavens know that this is what he's saying for our situation this day. What a relief for Ahab to know that he was on his father's heart all that day and he was not touched. What a blessing. The father wants his children to abide in this secret place, to have sons and daughters intimately relating to him every day. Dwelling is making a permanent home. It's not something that we come and we go from. We actually set up base in this place. There's consistency with it. It's a place where we rest and we find our home. So how do we get there? How do we transition? And I know there's some very, very faithful people that pray in this church. And I know that because we're meeting three times a week to pray for all of you, to pray for every aspect of the functioning of this church, to pray for the things that, that need to be brought before the Lord. So I know we have very, very faithful people here. I know we had a group of people that came away on prayer retreat that were hungry to hear what the Lord is saying and to move into greater depths of prayer. And I know the week later when the worship was playing after the, um, after the service, that there were a number of people that were lingering in that place because their capacity to receive from God had grown through that time. And I saw Raymond sitting, lingering at the back, and I saw um, Steve and Amanda at the back on that side, and I saw Patricia over there and I saw our prayer team down here and those in worship. Some people had to leave, but there was a lingering. And at the end, the ones that were lingering were the ones that had met for three days with the Lord on our prayer retreat. It opens up our capacity to receive him. So how are we going to get there? Give the Lord some time. He needs time can't be rushed. He des desires that you make space for him, that you reverence him. That is, give him deep respect and honour. And one way we can do that is to silence ourselves, be attentive to what he wants to say. Give him our full attention, affection and wait expectantly for him to draw near to us. We also have a helper. Jesus said when, he's, when he left, he's not going to leave us as orphans, but he's going to leave his spirit. Who is the spirit? He is our teacher. He is our helper. He's our guide. Ask the Holy Spirit to lead us into deeper levels of prayer and a deeper experience no, Psalm 62, verse 5 says, My soul waits silently for God alone, for my expectation is from him. On our prayer retreat, we actually practiced some silence. We actually purposely went in, intentionally went in to give God some space so that he was lifted above our voices and what we wanted to bring out. And we gave him the time 
to be able to speak to us. Now, we were all left wondering because 10 minutes before that happened, all the power went out in the building. So all of those that were by the coffee machine now no longer had a, a, a place to drink and, and uh, you know, chat about things. We were down to security lights only, the humming of the um, uh, air conditioning vents or heating vents was all lowered and all we could hear was the wind and nature outside. It was set up beautifully and we were left wondering, was this God? <laughs> Did he set this up for us? Or, but you know, it's like signs and wonders will follow those who believe in him. Was this what God was doing? Well, if it wasn't, it facilitated the whole evening until daybreak very, very well. So thank you. If the enemy was trying to upset plans, it really fell right into the lap of what we were doing. And we were very happy for that. So we sat, yes. So we sat and we gave God the space just to draw near and allow him to draw near to us. Now, my aim for today was to encourage you to keep going in your prayer life. Don't get stuck in that outer court experience. Spend time with the Lord. And I know it's a hard thing to do. We've all got busy lives and we're all rushing. When the Lord called me to prayer, I had four young children. I was in a busy space and I was certainly not getting up earlier than my children to pray at that time. But I found a, a place in the middle of the day when I had a couple at school, one at kinder, one sleeping. And when that child, the youngest, went to sleep for their afternoon sleep, I was in my room before the father. And I had had an experience where his love had just been poured over me. And it was something I did not want to lose. And so I kept coming back to him day after day after day because I wanted his presence. And he started to teach me in that place. And he started to call me into prayer and to reveal his heart to me so that I could pick up those burdens that others were experiencing, both in the church, our family, or those that I knew, and start to bring those before him. I was blessed beyond measure. It was the best place I could possibly have been. And so at 32 years of age, I started entering into this safer situation where I was completely covered by the presence of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and started to move into a prayer life that I would never go back to an outer court experience again. And so my encouragement to you is to move deeper. Seek him out. He's going to meet you where you are. Go and find new layers with him, new levels with him. It doesn't matter where you are on your journey. There is more to find. But it's not only that. I think that's great. I think individually we can all go to another level and another place. But there's something about when a church does this together and we corporately come together and seek the Lord, just as those things apply personally, that we are going to find our identity when we come and seek the Lord out for ourselves. So corporately, when we come together and we pray and we seek the Lord together, we're going to find the identity that God has for empower church. And what I can experience by myself in my own prayer time it is magnified when we come together as his people and we start to seek him. We start to know a, a greater presence than we, we could possibly ever experience at home 
by ourselves or wherever that place is that you choose to, to pray. And what happens in this place is that there's a knitting together of our hearts. There's a oneness that takes place. And just like the, the disciples in the upper room, and they sought God together, 120 of them, and look at the release of the Spirit that came upon them at that time. And then they're sharing together. Look what God has done, you know. And they talk about their experience. What did God, what did you sense? What did you feel? The prophets are going to start to say, well, I sense this, and they're going to start to prophesy. And the evangelists are going to say, oh, wow, I sense this. I need to speak this out. And then those that are in worship are going to say, I want to sing this out over our church and over our, our people. And then there are others that are going to say, well, if it was me, I'm going to take this to prayer. I'm taking this to my prayer closet. This needs, we all have those different things within us that identify us as a believer in Jesus Christ with the gifts and the things He has put in you. And they're going to come out. But I want to encourage us as a church, as a whole church, that we might join together in prayer. There's avenues for you to do that. We meet at supposed to be nine o'clock in the morning and I know that's very early for a lot. We tend to hang back until about 10 past nine, maybe quarter past. Before we have a few people together to pray, join us. Come and join us. You are most welcome. We would value your, um, your being there with us to pray. Come. Thursday nights on Zoom for an hour, 7.30 to 8.30. We're very particular with that time. We don't drag it on. Join us. Join the faithful people that are praying for your church. Go to that next level. But when we're here, we've had such a wonderful atmosphere over this month in particular, we always do. But this month in particular, I don't know. It's just, I've just found the worship, particularly after the service, it's just been at another level. But just to pray as a whole church together. And I'd like to lead us there now. <clears throat> I'd like to lead us in an intentional time of silence. And it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable for some people. You're going to become very aware of your own body, your own sense of self and those sitting next to you. Hopefully you're next to someone you're really comfortable with. <laughs> but to come together and just give God some space, give God the opportunity to speak to us as a church Lean into Him and what does He want to say to us? And just experience His presence. So I wonder, could we give Him some time? Could we just come as a group and just lean into Him? And I was going to say, why don't we give Him three minutes? That's one for God the Father one for Jesus Christ the Son and one for the Holy Spirit. And it seems so inadequate to say it, but three minutes in this setting would probably be enough. And I thought I might have had a clock, but I don't know if it's working. But let's just... Let's just enter in to a time where we just give this space over to the presence of God and lean into that. And then I will finish. Thank you, Father.
Father God, we as your church, we as your people want to lean into you. We want to go to new levels of prayer and intimacy with you. We want to move into the fullness of your spirit. We want to move into that relationship with you that is tangible, that we can sense, that we can experience you and know without any doubts that you are there, that you're in our lives, both personally and corporately. We want to carry out your will in our lives on a day-by-day basis. We want to know the fellowship of your Son, Jesus Christ. And we want to know the presence and the counsel and the teaching of you, Holy Spirit. And we want to move more into your presence, O Father. And to know that in this place, you completely cover us. You are our shelter and our shield. You are our covering, that we need not fear what happens outside in this world and the opposition that we face and the difficulties that come our way. But we want to know that we can come before you with genuine, sincere hearts and know that you will meet us at that time, at that place. Would you create our identities in you here? Not only just individually, but would you do that at Empower Church? Would we come to know exactly who you have called us as a church to be? so that we can function in line with your will as a body of your believers in this place. We lift you high. Be magnified in our midst. Be magnified in our hearts. We lift up your name, Jesus, and know that it is only through you that we can actually come to the Father. And so we give you all the praise and we give you all the glory. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.